Okay, if everybody will stay standing, um, I did tell you this is geared towards students, um, so if you're not a student, you have to act like one, and we're going to play a game. Um, who has ever played the game? Never have I ever. <laughs> Yay, we're going to play Never Have I Ever Church Style, okay? So before y'all get nervous, Never Have I Ever, um, Never Have I Ever Specific Topic in Prayer, style. Okay. So for those of you who have never played this game, everybody's going to stand up and I'm going to make the statement, never have I ever blah, 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 blah in prayer. And if you have ever done what I said, never have I ever done in prayer. If you have done that, you have to sit down. You only get to stay standing if you have never done what I've said. And I promise you probably by eight or nine of these, Unfortunately, everybody will be sitting, but we're going to see who might be standing. So is that too complicated? You got it? Let's just, let's just roll with it. All right. Never have I ever been on my cell phone during a time of prayer, whether it's at home, in church, it's prayer time, everybody's praying, you're on your cell phone. Did everybody sit on the first one? You should be ashamed. Why did I do that one first? Okay. <laughs> Never have I ever prayed in King James vernacular. Like, oh, Father God, thou art this. You may be early in your prayer life. You prayed as if you were King James. If you've never done that, stay standing. If you have, sit down. We might not get past number five. <laughs> never have I ever, oh, this is going to be mean. My son came up with this one. Never have I ever said, Father God, more than five times in my prayer. <laughs> like, Father God, blah, 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 Father God, Father God. I could say Lord Jesus, too. I know all of you are like, Lord Jesus, word, 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 Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Father God, more than five times in a prayer. Okay. Oh, never have I ever <laughs> prayed for something bad to happen to an enemy of mine. <laughs> you were like, Lord, just let them trip and fall. Jesus, never have I ever prayed something bad on an enemy. So if you have, you have to sit down. All of the Wallace children are seated already. I am so thinking I'm disqualified as your teacher tonight. Never have I ever prayed for a girl or a guy to like me. Like, Jesus, I like them so much. Please, please hook me up, dating game, Father. Never have I ever made God my matchmaker. Okay? Never have I ever prayed for my favorite sports team to win. Like during the game, you totally go into tongues and intercession, like help the Vols, Jesus, help Alabama. Never have I ever done that. Okay, we're good. We've got a few standing. Wave at me if you're still alive. Good. All right. Never have I ever had a prayer encounter while driving and almost wrecked. 
who has ever encountered the Holy Ghost while driving in prayer and almost wrecked your car. If that is you, sit down, <laughs> sit down. That means if you had to pull over because you couldn't drive, sit down. And if you have been a great driver or just don't talk to Jesus while you drive, you can stay standing. Never have, do I have anybody left? I do. Sorry, these lights are bright. Never have I ever attended an all-night prayer meeting. So if you've attended an all-night prayer meeting, you can sit. Okay? Never have I ever, 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 never, never have I ever fallen asleep while praying. If I'd have done that one first, it would have been everyone. Pars, do I have anybody left? A couple, raise your hands if you survived that. All right, y'all, these kids deserve a hand clap right here just for not being on their cell phones while praying. Great job. You can all be seated. Um, I will never put that one first. Man, we are learning at School of Prayer that cell phones are the worst enemy of intercession. Oh, my goodness. I hope that some of you, can you wave your hand at me if this week you actually had less screen time on your cell phone. You became more conscious of that. Praise God. How many of you actually did attempt to double your prayer time from hopefully, you know, instead of one minute, two minutes, five to 10? That's good. See, we're growing in our prayer time. Well, I'm really excited to jump right in today. I don't want to preach a sermon, as Kevin said. I just want to teach on prayer um, so that we can actually jump into intercession tonight. Um, I believe we are just going to get wrecked tonight. How many came just to encounter God? Praise the Lord. You don't ever want to come to a school of prayer thinking that you're going to get to stay comfortable in your seat because it just isn't going to happen. Um, I believe that the Lord is anxiously awaiting these times together. Um, but I want to teach on a subject. Last week I taught on intercession before activism or being an intercessor before an activist because we learned for us to take action in the right way, we first have to pray and we have to make sure our hearts are right. Tonight, I wanna teach on a subject called falling forward or fall forward. Look at the person sitting next to you and say, if you're gonna fall, fall forward. I want to speak on a kingdom level, uh, what I see happening um, on a kingdom level for the body of Christ and prayer, and then it's going to be very personal for you tonight, um, because I think that um, in our personal lives, if you will reflect, there have probably been times of failure in your prayer life. Just think about it, just times your prayers just did not seem to get through, did not seem to get answered. Anybody ever had a season where the opposite of what you pray seems to be what happens? Anybody ever given up on a prayer because it never did happen? And we call those times of prayer failure. Um, and I believe that the Lord allows us to fall sometimes in our prayer life to move us forward in the right direction. And so I want to talk about how to pray effectively tonight and to not live a life of prayer failure, um, to have effective prayer times that are in alignment. And so I'm just going to read a story. I'm going to go everywhere tonight, um, but we're going to talk about falling forward. I'm going to read from Joshua chapter 5, starting in verse 13. So this morning, I was sweating bullets because when you live with your pastor and you decide to share 
your revelations from the Lord with him, especially ones that you are preparing to teach, it is a very dangerous thing to do because they get it in their heart, they confuse it as God speaking to them, and then they preach it before you get the opportunity, okay? This happens in the Wallace house all the time. In fact, today, as I got out my prayer journal, I turned through my notes, and then I saw Kevin's handwriting on the very next page, and I realized he has had my prayer journal. He has read through my notes and started his own. So this morning, I actually threatened him before he took the pulpit, and I said, if you touch what I'm speaking on tonight, you will be leading school of prayer tonight. I'm just telling you right now, you can go this far and no further. And so we had to make an agreement. I'm dead serious. We set boundary lines <laughs> because our sermons actually complement one another. And I said, you go this far and you stop and you let me take it from there, okay? So um, it was awesome. How many wanna say the word of the Lord was awesome but challenging today? Um, I was talking to Kevin and we talked about when he spoke on the man in the middle that it is much easier to take a side. If you've ever been um, in a group of friends and where two of your friends are mad at each other, it's easier to take a side. At least if you take a side, you're going to have someone that you win their approval. You're going to have someone that will surround you. The most dangerous and radical place to be sometimes is in the middle. Because when you are speaking in the middle, you make everyone mad at you on both sides. Um, and so I think the Lord is giving the church courage in this hour. It's not really the middle, like a fence, like you don't know what side to get on. It's, if we could draw a diagram of the middle, I believe the cross of Jesus in the middle was elevated higher than the right or the left. It's, a, it's another dimension altogether. And I wanna kind of play off that and talk about praying uh, from the right direction. So I'm gonna read to you from Joshua chapter five, and I'm going to start in verse 13. Just to set a, a background, Joshua is about to lead a whole new generation into the promised land. The warriors who had come out of Egypt that walked in disobedience, they all died in the wilderness. Um, and if I could just add a little side note here for all my sons and daughters, don't ever be discouraged when it seems like the will of the Lord is not being accomplished immediately. His will will be done, and he will outweigh an entire generation to see his will done. He is not limited to any group of people. He'll just raise up a whole new group of people when he sees that a generation will not yield their heart to follow him. And we see that here. The Lord took a three-day journey, and it ended up being a 40-year wandering, and I believe it because he was outweighing a group of people who had hardened their heart against him missed opportunity. And a whole generation was born in the wilderness, and Joshua is getting to, ready to lead them into victory, and he's getting ready for the famous battle of Jericho. Okay, he is marching the troops to Jericho. And I'll start in verse 13. When Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua approached him and asked, are you for us or are you for our enemies? Neither, he replied. I have now come as commander of the Lord's army. Then Joshua bowed with his face to the ground. Look at your neighbor and say, fall forward. Bowed with his face to the ground in worship and asked him, what does the Lord want? 
want to say to his servant? The commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, remove the sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. And then as you get into chapter six and you begin to read, it was in this encounter that the strategy for the battle of Jericho was downloaded to Joshua. So up until verse 13, Joshua is marching to a battle with a group of young people following him. And Joshua is a very skilled warrior. Joshua is a very mighty, fierce warrior. He's a protege of Moses. He's seen the presence of the Lord, and he was probably going to go fight this battle like he did every other battle before him. But he has an encounter that sends him to his face, and in his falling on his face, he receives a strategy he was not expecting to fight a battle in a way he had never fought before and to make history in a way we still preach about thousands of years later. That's the power of an encounter in prayer. And so I want to talk about falling forward tonight and praying prayers in alignment for whatever assignment God has given you. Okay, so if you'll just pray for me and I'm gonna pray for you, I wanna spit this teaching out and I believe we're gonna have some face planting in the room tonight and we're gonna get some downloads from heaven for strategy we thought we knew what God wanted to do, but he really has something else in mind, okay? Father, we just love you tonight and we honor you and this is by no means the only prayers we will pray tonight. But Lord, we want to be prepared for our encounter with you. I believe tonight, Lord, that you want to do something specific in our hearts and in our lives on a personal level and and for a, a kingdom level, really, in our nation, for the bride of Christ in this nation. So Lord, right now, we just turn up our attention, our spiritual hearing, our spiritual vision, We just tune in tonight to hear from you. We we want to encounter you tonight, Father, not just come and hear an awesome teaching. But Lord, we are asking to meet with you tonight. We are asking for you to make us the most effective, efficient, powerful intercessors this year more powerful than we have ever been, more effective than we have ever been. And it starts with us admitting right now in this moment, Father, that we have failed at time in our, times in our prayer life. We have prayed amiss. We've requested in vain. We've not listened to your heart. But Lord, tonight we want to pray in alignment. We don't want to miss your heart or our assignment. And we ask, Father, that you would speak to us and teach us from your word. And that as we seek your face tonight, Lord, you would bring alignment to the body and alignment to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to talk about synchronizing with the heart of the Father. Because when you go to pray, your prayer life has many components. Um, We practice them every Sunday, whether you realize it or not. We don't put like this strategy on the screen that tells you how to pray, but it just comes natural for relationship. 
When you first begin to pray, you're going to encounter God in a relational way through worship, through praise. At least I hope that's how you start. You don't ever just approach the presence of God with a wish list like you're sitting on Santa Claus's lap. You're approaching the creator of the universe, and he's awesome, and he's incredible, and he created you for relationship with you. And so the first thing you're going to do when you begin to pray is engage. And I've alluded to it when I've taught on prayer, and even last week I did, and I'll say it again. Prayer should be super interactive. It should be super exciting. If your prayer life is dead, something's wrong. Now, it doesn't mean it will always look the same. It doesn't mean you're going to cry every time you pray or roll in the floor every time you pray or, or get drunk in the spirit every time you pray or be laid out every time you pray. But it does mean every time you engage in prayer, you should have some level of encounter with God, even if it's just him reminding you of his word or him just pouring his love out on you. The relationship you should have with God should be alive because he is alive. And my goal is, as we are going deeper in prayer, especially here at this church, that all of you have a live, active prayer life, that you look forward to it, and that the Lord can really be like a friend to you, that you have just as much faith in your prayer life as you do your cell phone. Like, I know if I call a certain person and I get on that phone, they're going to be there for me. They're going to hear me. They're going to answer me. It's going to be a wonderful conversation. I want your prayer life to be like that, that dependable. In fact, I hope you get so addicted to prayer that when you do encounter a problem or something exciting happens to you, the first thing you want to do is talk to the Holy Spirit about it. And some of you may have never lived a life like that, and you look at me like I'm crazy as I say it, but I like to tell the Holy Spirit about my day. I like to talk to God when exciting things happen to me. It's a live relationship. And I don't know how many of you have friends that don't talk back to you. Now, most of my friends might not talk as much as me. Sometimes when I talk to Kevin, you know, he listens more than he talks. But if you had a friend that never talked back to you when you prayed, I mean, when you talked to them, I'm not sure how much you would continue the relationship. Because communion is a two-way channel, and a lot of you have spent your entire life praying to a God that you never stopped to listen to. And, and I want to commend you for your faith. I want to commend you that you stuck with a relationship with a God that you've never heard talk to you. And I'm here to tell you that's not how God destined for your relationship to be with him. He actually wants to speak to you, not just hear from you. And he always has something to say. I always get into this discussion when I'm teaching uh, prophetic ministry or praying for people. People will say, Pastor Devin, what if I don't have a word? What if I don't have something to say? What if God doesn't have anything to say? And I say, never will that happen. God always has something to say. It may just be a scripture. It may just be his love. But I, just as a newsflash to the church, God is always talking. We're just not always paying attention. And so I want your prayer life to be a two-way street where not only do you feel liberty to talk to God, but there is actually pauses and moments where you are listening for God to talk back to you. When God talks back to you, it's not always going to be the same way you speak to him. 
That's what's crazy. You are a flesh being and you are speaking to the Lord and out of your vocal cords and your voice he's given you, you're speaking to him from a natural realm which you are bound to in your flesh, but God is coming to you from a heavenly realm. And he speaks differently than just a man would speak. God has a language all of his own. And I'm not meaning to get in this too deeply tonight, but when, even when we go into prayer tonight, I don't want you to miss the Lord speaking to you. But he'll speak to you. Sometimes it's a still, small voice, like a whisper. I know people that have heard the audible voice of God. Kevin will tell you there's been a couple times, one time when he was preaching, he tells the story about hearing watch this out of his right ear or his left ear, and it was so real he thought someone was behind him. But most of the time, the Lord speaks to you in your spirit, and it's an impression. Anyone ever been praying and asking God something, and it's just this impression? That's the only way I know how to describe it, this feeling. You know that he is saying that's not good for you, or you know he is saying no. Sometimes the Lord will speak to you with a picture, and we call it things like open vision, closed vision, but it's really a picture. It's where the Lord will paint an image because God is all about imagery, and it's true that a picture is worth a thousand words, and sometimes instead of downloading a paragraph of sentences, God will flash a picture before you that will change your life. Sometimes it's in your tears, it's in your laughter. He'll speak to us through our emotion. It's amazing, the languages of God. And we're gonna get into that in a prayer lesson probably next week. But when we pray tonight, I I want you to not just unload what you wanna say. I also want you to expect God to answer you. Not by me laying hands on you and giving you a word, but by your ears being open to hear the voice of the Lord. And there's nothing more amazing than hearing his voice. And, and for my students who are still learning, it's okay. Learning the voice of the Lord is a journey. It'll start, um, it's kind of like a, a phone conversation. Honestly, it really is. Uh, Chris Valentin says it like this, if I don't know you and you call me and I answer the phone, I'll say, hello, who's speaking? You know, oh, it's so nice to meet you, Carrie. I'm very nice to meet you. And Carrie and I might talk and we might have a wonderful conversation. And then a week later, my new friend Carrie calls me again. And maybe that time I might recognize Carrie's voice, but probably not. I get a, a lot of phone calls. So probably I'll say, I'm so sorry, who is this? And she's going to say, this is Carrie. And I'm going to be like, oh, Carrie, I remember you. That's right. But if Carrie keeps calling me every day, just like my children call me, I'm going to answer the phone and they'll say, hey, mom. And I know when it's Zion or it's Judah before they tell me because I know their voice. But I only learn their voice through continued, consistent relationship. So if you pray once a week or once a month, don't be frustrated if you're always saying, I'm not sure if it's God or not. That's how you would be in a regular relationship, right? The only way you're going to know him when he whispers to you is if you keep talking to him and you keep opening the door for relationship. And then before you know it, after you've learned to pray and you've learned to be in his presence, whether it's months down the road or weeks or years, he's going to whisper to you and you're going to know it's him and nobody will be able to talk you out of it. And it's amazing. So don't be discouraged if tonight you hear something and you have to go to somebody and say, I think I heard God, but I'm not sure. I need to weigh it against his word. Keep pressing in in prayer. Keep letting him speak to you. Keep acting on what he says and let him prove to you that it's you. And then later you're going to say, I know his voice. 
And there's no greater thing. It's like riding a bicycle. Once you learn it, you'll never, never forget it. I know people that can walk away from God and be drunk out of their mind on a bar stool and hear the voice of the Lord call them home. Because once you recognize his voice, once his, his voice is seared upon the ears of your spirit, you'll never miss him. How many want to hear him? Yeah. So I'm so glad that we have pastors and preachers and apostles and people that love on us and parents that pray for us and words of knowledge and words of wisdom that can be given. But this is the truth. Those things should only confirm what you're already hearing in your prayer life. And if I'm a leader who's really called to equip you, I'm not going to make you dependent on me to hear from God. Okay? And if your leadership is always making you depend on them to hear from God, they are not doing their job in the body. We are here to teach you that you can hear him for yourself. Isn't that amazing? What would church be like if we all walked in confidence that we could hear him when we pray? It would be incredible. And so I want to talk about the need for hearing his heart in prayer. I'm getting so ahead of myself. But just like we learned last week, if we jump into action like Peter before we've prayed, I'm here to show us that if we pray things that are not in synchronization with the heart of God, we will experience a cycle of prayer failure. And some of you have been stuck in a cycle of prayer failure, and you actually think God doesn't hear you when you pray. And I have got a news flash for you. It's his grace and mercy. He has ignored some of your prayers. <laughs> it is his grace and mercy that he did the opposite of what you asked him to do or that he didn't do what you asked him at all. And if I was honest right now and I pulled this congregation and it might not be as much of my young people as my adults, who can admit you prayed some prayers that now looking back on your life, you are really God, glad God did not answer. Okay. <laughs> so let me just break this lie off of any of your lives. God does hear you when you pray. Whether it's a, a 3 a.m. prayer at an all-night prayer meeting or you cried out to him because you were about to run off the road in two seconds. When you open your mouth and you call on the name of the Lord, heaven hears. He hears you. And God does answer prayer. It's just not always the way we think he's going to answer the prayer or when we think he's going to answer the prayer. But that's where trust comes in because you've got to trust. Listen, listen to me, Linda. I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. I'm so sorry. Listen to me. If God always did what you asked him, the way you asked him, because you know best, then what is the purpose of needing a God? God is not here for you to utilize his power and authority in the universe to obey your every wish and command. That makes you God. <laughs> he is God. He is the sovereign one. And when we actually begin to trust him in our prayer life, we pray prayers like Jesus prayed, Father, I really want this cup to pass from me. In other words, in, in my flesh right now, Jesus in the flesh is saying, I'm having a conflict. What I want doesn't really line up with what you want. So I'm going to be honest with you. Hear how Jesus prayed. And I'm going to tell you that I don't like this. But I'm also going to tell you whatever you want is what I'll do. And that's when you know you've reached a mature prayer life. When you 
will be honest before the Lord with your petitions and your request, but you are also willing for him to do it his way and in his time and even have the right of denial or refusal if what you're asking for is not good for you. We have to say things like, Father, I would really like this to happen or this job or so-and-so to like me or so-and-so to happen, but Lord, I know that you know better than me. You know my future. You know my end from my beginning. You know the days of my life. They're written in your book. And I make my petitions known because you care about my desires, but you also care about my destiny more than my temporary comfort. And I submit these desires to you, but I ask your will to be done. That's trust in prayer. And some of us, what we are calling our prayer life is nothing more than a two-year-old fit for what we want. And we wonder why our prayers are not effective. How many want to pray effective prayers? So when you pray prayers that are not in alignment with the heart of God, then there is actually no obligation for the fulfillment of those prayers. And in fact, there is probably more grace and mercy on your life if they are left unfulfilled. But when you pray prayers that are in alignment with God's heart, something miraculous happens and you can pray big prayers with big results when your heart and God's heart is in sync. You can stand in front of a Red Sea and stretch out a rod and command the waters to move. And because it's what God wants also, you will watch words come out of your mouth and a body of water listen to what you say and stack on top of each other and create dry ground. You can be Joshua in the middle of a battle God told you to fight, that God told you his heart was for you to win. You can see the sun setting and realize time is not on your side. You can look at the sun. You can tell it to stand still. And the greatest, most powerful star in the sky stood still for Joshua when he prayed one prayer. You can pray like Elijah and pray a very short prayer and ask fire to fall down from heaven and watch it happen because it is in synchronization with the heart and will of God. And I don't know about you, but I'm sick and tired of wasting my prayer life on things that are not God's heart and not seeing big results and reading in the Bible about a God who can do miracles but not see them. And I'm here to tell you when we begin to pray God's prayers that are aligned with his heart, we will see miraculous things open up in our prayer life. It's amazing. And so in Joshua chapter 5, what I just read to you, Joshua's getting ready to go fight a battle. An angel of the Lord appears to him and says, hey, and Joshua says to him, hey, are you on our side or are you on theirs? And the angel of the Lord answers, neither. Neither. Joshua God's chosen leader of his people, the greatest leader of Israel at this time, who is definitely anointed by the Lord, moving forward to fight Jericho, he actually asked the Lord if he was on his side, and the angel of the Lord said no. Joshua wanted to make sure he wasn't on the devil's side or the enemy's side, and the angel of the Lord said no. Because like we heard this morning, God is not necessarily on one side or the other. This is what you need to write in your notes or take home with you tonight. God has his own side. God has his own side. And your prayer life should not be about convincing God to take your side. 
It should not be about convincing God to see your way. It should not be about convincing God to do it your way and your timing the way you think is right. Your prayer life should be about finding where God is and getting in alignment with his side. And that's what Joshua did. Joshua had a mission. He sees this, this man, I guess he thought it was a man at first, standing with a sword, and he's basically trying to, to calculate, am I going to kill you or are you going to get behind me and follow me? And the angel of the Lord says, I'm not on either side. And Joshua does something that I want you to take away for your prayer life tonight if you hear nothing else I say. Joshua falls flat on his face. It says he bowed with his face to the ground. That's just not bowing your head. That's not taking a knee. That's not kneeling on both knees. He face planted the lowest place to the ground he could get in front of the angel of the Lord because he realized just maybe he was on the wrong side. Joshua came into alignment immediately when that man identified himself as the commander of the Lord's army. Can you imagine being Joshua? I would face plant also. In other words, Joshua surrendered all of his authority. He surrendered all of his honor. If you bowed face to the ground in front of anyone in that culture, you were surrendering honor. You were surrendering authority. You were laying all you had at their feet and honoring and recognizing them as the leader over you. Joshua, who first asked this dude, are you with me or against me, is now laying all of his authority at his feet, surrendering, saying, you know what? I surrender to you. I surrender to the Lord's side. And what's so amazing, when Joshua fell forward and surrendered the angel of the Lord, he said this, what's the Lord want to say to me? What's the Lord want to say to me? And I think it's important to ask yourself in your prayer life, how many times do you tell the Lord what you want to say? And how many times do you stop and maybe you don't fall on your face, but in your heart you surrender and you ask this question, Lord, what do you want to say to me? How many times in your prayer life, how much time in your prayer life do you spend telling God what you want him to hear versus asking him to tell you what's on his heart? Because if Joshua had missed the moment of asking for direction, we might not be talking about Jericho on Sunday mornings in a powerful sermon. Because it was in this split second decision of Joshua's surrender that the Lord began to share his heart, which Joshua had no clue of. I guarantee you, I can promise you, before this moment, Joshua had not pre-met with the, with the warriors of Israel and said, look, this is what I think the best battle strategy is. We're going to not talk. We're going to put down our weapons. We're going to march around seven times in silence. And on the seventh day, we're going to go around seven times and we're going to shout and we're going to get the victory. Nowhere on his radar. Because there are some strategies you will only get in full surrender in your prayer life. And if you don't pray before your decisions are made, if you don't pray before you move forward in a decision, then I would challenge how much pride is actually present in your life. You trust yourself way too much. 
in my own life, I've, I really have trusted in my own carnal wisdom so many times. And I've done things that, yes, the Lord took care of me. In the end, he took care of me. But I took a much harder path trying to do something my own way than if I had just listened to the strategy of the Lord. Can anybody testify you took a long way around at times because you did stuff first and prayed later? And God said, you know, you didn't have to do it that way. But Joshua learned to ask first. And when he asked first, God gave him the most unique strategy. And I, wanna, I just want to say the most powerful statement I can say right now. The battle of Jericho was won, not when the walls fell. The battle of Jericho was won when Joshua fell. When Joshua fell face forward, he gave up his own way. And when he got up, he was pregnant with a strategy that no man could take credit for. But when we talk about Jericho, even the song we sing, who was credited with the victory? Joshua. Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. Right, Joshua was the mighty warrior because God will make you look good. God will give you victory. We sang it this morning. He'll accelerate you. He'll advance you. And people will look at you and think that you were really smart when the truth is you just really know how to pray. God will help you have wisdom that is well beyond your own understanding. He'll give you strategy and inventions and ideas and ways that you'll be promoted. And people will look at you and say, who trained you? Where'd you go to school? Where'd you learn that? And you'll look at them and shrug their shoulders and say, oh, I just learned that in prayer. Because when you surrender to God and you take his heart and you do what he says, your prayer life changes and your walk with him changes. So the battle of Jericho was sealed and won the moment Joshua surrendered who he was. And he got up with a strategy that won the most unique battle that we can talk about today. So the point of this teaching is this. I want you to pray effective prayers. And just like your body is made to function in alignment, your prayer life will only be effective when it's in alignment. Who goes to a chiropractor? Now, you may be anti-chiropractor in here, and you'll just have to get mad at me, but I love my chiropractor. Who goes? Somebody wave their hand at me. There's nothing worse than something being out of line, alignment in your body. When you experience bones and muscles that are out of alignment, you'll have unnecessary pain, you will have fruitless movement, which is more movement and work with less productivity. You can experience long-term yet undetected damage, and you can even have loss of mobility. Because your skeletal system and your muscular system were meant to operate in alignment. Strength and stability were meant to operate in alignment. That's how your body in the natural is made to operate. And I'm here to tell you it is how your spirit is made to operate. If you are not in alignment with the heart of God, you will pray wordy prayers you will fast till you lose all that excess weight and starve yourself and pray and beat the floor and not have any fruit from what you pray because it's not in alignment with God's heart in your life. And then you'll meet that friend that didn't fast a meal and prays a 10-word prayer and heaven moves and you'll get so mad and so jealous. Anybody have friends like that? 
You just get so mad. But it's because their heart is yielded and their desires have been swallowed up by the desires of another. John 15 and 7 says it this way. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask what you wish and it will be done for you. Wow, the Lord just gave us a promise that if you desire something, that word wish is is thalo. It means to take delight in what gives you pleasure and joy. The Lord is literally saying, whatever you ask for, I'm going to give you. But you've got to read what the prerequisite of that is, that promise is. And it's if you abide in me and I abide in you. In other words, the closer we get, the more in sync our hearts are, what comes out of your mouth will be given to you because our desires will be in alignment. Some of you have got the wish part, but you don't have the abiding part. And we expect God to answer prayers when we're not walking with him. James 4 and 3 says it like this. You ask... This describes a lot of your prayer lives, mine at times. You ask, but you don't receive. Why? Because you ask amiss that you may consume it upon your own lusts. When Jesus said you're asking your desires, it was about what brings you joy, what you take delight in. But when it says here that you will consume it upon your own lusts and and you're asking amiss, that word amiss there is kekos. It means your prayers are sick and diseased. Do you know your prayer life can have a disease? He said, you're not receiving because your prayer life is diseased. What is it diseased with? The lust of the flesh. That word there, lust, is hedone. It means sensual delight or the lust of the flesh. James 4 and 3 would say if your prayer life is diseased with selfish desire, you're going to ask, but you're not going to receive anything. So if all you're doing is using your prayer life for lustful desires, you might not receive what you're praying. But Psalms 37 and 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. It's all about relationship. It's all about surrender. Psalms 37 and 5, the very next word, verse says this, commit your way unto the Lord. Trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. When Joshua fell face down, it was a sign he was committing his way unto the Lord. And it was the Lord who brought the victory to pass. So I want to end by saying this. In the kingdom as a whole, the church, the bride of Christ, the church body as a whole, I feel like we have experienced a prayer failure. I don't know if anybody else has felt that way. But at times it seems like the church has prayed things that maybe were misdirected. They could have been selfishly led or our prayer life could have been diseased with selfish desires. And maybe we have not seen effective answers. And maybe God has allowed us to fall so that we would recognize prayers that are not in alignment with his heart are not prayers of victory. But if we're gonna fall tonight, I declare in 2021, we're gonna fall forward. And instead of losing faith in our prayer life, and instead of saying God doesn't hear or God doesn't answer, I think it's time for us to reassess our prayer life and, and, and do what Joshua did. Instead of always trying to get God on our side or God against our enemies, maybe it's falling flat on our face and saying, Father, 
I don't want you to take a side. I just want to find out where you are. What is your side? And that's what I want to pray from. And I'm here to tell you if we will allow the Lord to align the desires of our heart in our prayer life, some of you are about to journal and document more answered prayers in the next 12 months than you have ever had in your life. Prayers that will make you laugh because you just cannot believe God actually did it. Prayers that will be answered in the very day you pray them. Prayers that will be answered within 48 hours that you pray them. Prayers, I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will make things so specific sometimes. You will pray and declare and see it happen. And you're going to get such a reputation at your workplace and at school that people are going to come to you and ask you to pray because they notice when you pray, God answers. How many want to have that type of prayer life? And I believe all of us would pray more if we actually saw a shift around us when we prayed. Okay? So if you'll stand with me. We're going to go into intercession tonight. This is so not where we're ending. This is just our beginning. And I believe tonight... If I can share what I believe is going to happen in my heart, I believe we're going to enter into his presence with adoration and worship and engagement. But I believe there's just a surrendering of some hearts on a personal level tonight. Not, well, I mean, there may be someone here that needs to be saved or needs to surrender, but it's not even just that. I believe there are a lot of sons and daughters of God in here who have maybe tried to put the Lord on your side instead of you aligning with his. Or maybe in your prayer life, you have been determined to get what you want instead of praying like Jesus and saying, Father, I'm gonna make known what I want, but what I want more than anything is to please you and is to perform your will. Some of us have a diseased prayer life it's infected with selfishness, the lust of the flesh, and the, the desires of our flesh. Some of us don't even realize our prayer life is inspired by Satan himself. Like you're not just praying according to your flesh, you're actually allowing your enemy to fill in your desires for you when you pray. Peter, the activist, remember we talked about him last week. I didn't get to tell this story, but I did in school this week. Jesus was actually telling his disciples his heart. He was like, hey, guys, I'm going to be going to Jerusalem, and I'm going to suffer many things, and I'm going to be killed. But in three days, I'm going to be raised up. And this is necessary. Jesus is close. He's tight. There's communion. He's sharing his heart. And Peter stands up and says, not so, Lord. That's not the way I would do it. That's not what I want to happen. This is not going to happen. And Jesus doesn't look at Peter and say, buddy, you missed it. Sit back down. He says probably the harshest rebuke that ever came out of the mouth of the Messiah. He looked at Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. Your words are a snare to me. Because what Peter didn't know is that Satan was using him 
to try to talk Jesus out of the cross. How many times in our prayer life have we actually prayed the agenda of the enemy, but in our own eyes really thinking it sounded good? God, help us to be humble as we approach him. And help us to be empty vessels because when he fills you with his plans and desires and that becomes the declaration of your mouth, there is no demon in hell that can stop the manifestation of his will in your life. So if you'll just close your eyes, I want to pray just a prayer of self-examination and then we're going into intercession tonight. But I want you without shame or guilt or fear to be an open book before the Lord. Just see yourself like you're just opening your heart before him. Every place, every corner. And you pray as I pray this prayer over us tonight. Yahweh, I thank you for your sweet spirit that's in this place. We wanna go deeper in our communion with you and our prayer life. We are your ambassadors on this earth, Yahweh, and you have given us the power of life and death in our tongue. In fact, you gave us your authority. You made us stewards over the world around us. You actually trusted us with an authority that most of us haven't even recognized. That what we say and what we decree and what we pray is pregnant with the potential to shift the atmosphere around us, to shift leaders and structures and the health of bodies and the future and destinies. We can actually move the world through our prayers. How incredible. Father, you did not labor to create the the world, you just spoke it in prayer. And you have given us that same ability and it's so humbling and it's so scary, Father, because many of us don't know how to steward it. And we've allowed the very weapon you've given us to be used by our enemies so many times. We have used our own words and the, the prayers of our heart to place our own lives in bondage and sabotage our future. And we're tired of it. Father, I am tired of it. I am your daughter. These are your sons and daughters. We wear a royal diadem upon our head and we have a scepter of favor. And you have put your name on our forehead and your spirit within us. And we want to pray like the ambassadors you have created us to be. We want to see angels dispatched when we make decrees from our mouth. We want to see demons bound when we pray. We want to see our families shift into alignment with destiny. We want to see sick bodies healed because you already paid the price. We want to see our futures made straight and bright and our path to show clearly we are sick of chaos. We are sick of confusion. And the chaos we create by our own misplaced prayers. And Father, I am praying over my life and over everyone at this school of prayer that hell will shake every time we go to our prayer closet because we are sharp, sharply fashioned weapons that are yielded for your use.
And that, Lord, we find our prayer hour to be the most productive hour of our day. And, Lord, we don't want to cut short our time with you, but I do pray that less words will be more effective because we cut all of the excess and we sharply declare your heart. Lord, I pray that we can become like Elijah and see fire fall when we say even less than a paragraph. Lord, that we can be like Peter and John and just look at a man at the temple and say, get up and walk. And because it's your heart, he gets up and walks. We want to pray effective prayers when we're in an elevator or we're at a checkout line. Things we can just say and speak and heaven moves because our hearts are knit together. Forgive us for asking for a favor and an authority that we don't walk to a level of relationship with you for. Lord, we want to get so close to you. We smell like you. We think like you. We look like you. And we don't have to think about what we pray. It flows from the overflow of our relationship. Lord, I don't want to guess what you want. I want to know your heart and know what you want. This is the cry of our heart. Lord, I pray from this prayer school, sons and daughters will come out of here that their hearts are so surrendered they can stand with leaders twice their age and give them the wisdom of heaven because they know your heart. Let them have solutions to problems and issues that human intellect cannot wrap its mind around but will bring results as powerful as the walls of Jericho falling. We will not walk in another year of misplaced prayers and priorities. Our prayer life will not be dead and ineffective. But, Father, we are coming alive in our prayer life. And we are drawing near. And we are falling on our faces and surrendering what we think we know we want. And what we think we know is right. And we just want you to fill in the blanks. We just want you to fill in the blanks. So as I pray, I just open the altar for the next few moments. We're just going to surrender. We're just going to surrender pride and surrender human wisdom and surrender our plans and surrender our thoughts and say, Father, I'm like Joshua. I fall face down and I say, what do you want to say to me tonight? It's not nearly as much as about what I have to say. It's about what I need to hear. And I don't care if I like it. I don't care if it lines up with my wish list. I am so hungry for your heart. I surrender. I surrender. So if that's you, I want you to get out of that comfortable seat and in the aisles or the altars. We're going into the presence of the Lord. And there's no greater smell than the aroma of burning flesh on the altar. And right now, we just need to lay ourselves on the altar and say, Father, here I am. Burn out everything that's not like you. And any desire or plan that I have that's not birthed in prayer, I rip it up, I throw it out, and 
today I'm seeking you for fresh strategy for my future, fresh strategy for my family, fresh strategy for my next steps. I need a Jericho download. I'm going to find in unconventional ways. I want to walk in supernatural wisdom. I'm ready to think like heaven thinks. In Jesus' name. So as they worship, you just take the, take the next few moments and let's pray prayers of surrender. Prayers of surrender. Surrender.